0: Hello, I'm Rachel Balducci, and I am so excited that you're joining me today for another episode of Overcommitted. This is our quest to find sanity and peace in our day-to-day life. The subtitle of my book is actually Cut Chaos and Find Balance, but I think that's about the same thing. So today we're going to dive into, you know, another round of considering our the state of our life. If we feel frazzled, if we feel overcommitted— You know, what is this inner angst that we experience and how can we manage it? How do we get over it? And I talked a lot about in the last episode about some of the trouble that I got in when I was making decisions in my life with the wrong motivating factors. I was trying to find myself really a sense of purpose, a sense of who I was going to be now that my kids were getting older. And I really was putting the cart ahead of the horse because, This all was sort of precipitated by the fact that my oldest son was graduating high school. So for those of you who are like probably 10 years ahead of me in life, you know that that's actually not the end of anything and actually just the beginning of a whole new season. What I felt was like it was a death. It was a tough time for me because my special little oldest son was going off to college and it felt like the death of our family unit. It felt like, you know, like the death of my identity as I'm, well, I don't know, I'm still getting choked up. I'm over it. Trust me. I mean, but it was a painful time. It was a scary time. It was this unknown because I think for so long I had, you know, you have babies, you have another baby, the babies start to get bigger and you're growing, growing and they're in middle school and then they're in high school. But it's like, for me, there was kind of a cutoff that we didn't go past, which was life after kids got bigger and left the home. Like for so long, we were just this solid pack. We did everything together. My kids went go to a k through twelve school, which meant once you started kindergarten, you were there for the long haul, they were all at the same school together. And probably because I have five sons and one daughter at the end, there was just this great sense of continuity and cohesion with our tribe. And then my oldest was just going to leave. Like, why do you want to leave me? And so what was happening in the midst of that, I, I think that big shift was about to happen. And oh, goodness gracious, I remember one day and a couple weeks before his graduation, I cried a lot at that spring. And so if you're in that season where you're, your oldest is about to graduate, and you recognize that a big change is coming, it's okay to feel sad and scared. But I am here to assure you, you're going to survive it. And the next season, Even though it's got going to have bumps in the road, it's fabulous and it's wonderful. But, you know, the unknown is always scary. And so for me, I remember having this one day and I knew like this had to be the end of me acting this way is that I was walking around the house looking at baby pictures of my son, Ethan, and crying as I looked at them because he was getting big and he was going to leave. And, uh, you know, finally, I was like, Rachel, you have like jumped the shark with your emotions. You need to get it together. But I'm like laying that on really thick so you can understand emotionally where I was in this season. It was a lot. I was I was a lot. And I was going to, you know, like because it felt like the end of something, which spoiler alert, it was not the end. I was starting to say, OK, I've got to what am I going to do now? You know, I need to find something to do. And so all of those emotions I was feeling, well, can't that can be positive. I mean, change is not a bad thing and trying new things is not a bad thing. But really, I was not taking time to consider my decisions about my time. And so I was making a lot of bad choice, not bad choices, but I was kind of saying yes to things for the wrong reasons. Okay. We talked about that and, um, and I learned a lot in the midst of that. And I, basically, I learned two very basic things, which is one, the truth of my core identity and then the truth of my practical identity. And we're going to kind of talk about the practical stuff today. But I do want to say, because I always, you know, it always comes back to God. It always comes back to prayer. Holiness will solve all your problems. I'm going to say that in every episode. That um, you really should get in the habit of starting your day with a moment that you devote to God. And I know there's a lot of talk in scriptures about, you know, people who started their day in prayer. You know, he rose with the sun and spent time with God. And like for me personally, if I rise at the hour before the sun is up... I really have to be getting up to leave the house to go work out because if I get up and I'm just at home, somebody hears me, and then it's like, you know, we're starting the day at 5 30 a.m. instead of an hour later. So I'm, I have not found yet in this season in life that me getting up super early affords me like quiet time in the wee hours of the morning. It's just like it either starts the day early. I have to leave. But you can still have that sacred special moment. And I remember my spiritual director telling me, you know, it's kind of like that moment between you and God before the devil knows you're awake, and he's here to start messing with you, you know, is that you really do dedicate your day to God. And even just with a simple, you know, hey, God, I'm awake, and let's do this, you know, or however you talk to God, whatever way that you communicate with him, um, that you just sort of acknowledge that He's there. He was waiting for you when you woke up, and he wants to be with you throughout your day. Like, really grasping that understanding is so important as we move through our day. God has a plan, and God is with you in this moment, and he wants to be a part of all of it. And again, not in a controlling way. He's not going to write on your calendar, but he does want to guide you. And the best way to really be in tune with God's wisdom and his direction for your life, because he wants all good things for you. And I think we have to get over that fear. It's like God wants to control all the aspects of my day. That sounds scary. And it's really, he only wants to be a part of it because he has so much better vision and so many good things, so much more to offer you than you in your feeble human mind, Can understand. And I'm learning that the more I just kind of let go with my clenched fist of my plans for the day and my, you know, vision for what I should be doing with my time, God opens up so much more in ways that are just so much better than what I had planned for myself. And I've really learned that by letting go of, you know, me making decisions based on faulty motivators. I let go of that and I say, God, fine. You get to be in charge. Leaning in with prayer and then starting to go through the doors that God opens, I am finding so much more joy and freedom in the midst of that. So for you, practically, for me, practically, let's start our day with prayer. Not maybe a 20 to 30 minute time of sitting still and quiet, but really just as you just kind of wake up in the morning, getting in the habit of saying, good morning, God, let's do this. Okay, so today I want to talk a little bit about some practical stuff. Practical calendar advice. And one thing I have had to learn the hard way is that, and I have this bad tendency to kind of look at my calendar, and if I have an open slot, I'm willing to fill it. That is not necessarily a good way to do business because not all the slots on your calendar need to be filled. That's kind of where exhaustion creeps in. And there's this word that I want you to really learn to embrace, and it's something called boundaries. You're allowed to have boundaries with your time and with your calendar. And boundaries can be, you know, almost like a mystical thing. Like I set these boundaries in, you know, certain areas, but it can also be buffers that you have in your time so that you don't have a day where you go from thing to thing to thing. Now, it's kind of funny because I'm recording this on a day where I'm literally going from thing to thing to thing but I'm, this is like the one day of this week that I'm doing this. Um, I can't do that on a regular basis. And I've learned that I tried for a while. And um, it caused a lot of problems for me, It just exhaustion, you know. So you have to be, you have to find that sweet spot. Now, here's the thing, everybody operates different. And that's why this book is not filled with like, worksheets. Um, it really what I wanted to talk about and sort of consider is the fact that there's this underlying sort of spiritual thing going on and then some practical things but all of this is totally dictated by the person who is considering this information so you listening here you might have a totally different way of doing business and when you look at your calendar you might not like clear spaces on your calendar and so you have to figure out what works for you. But you have to consider it all through the lens of a couple of things, which is okay, who you are, your makeup, what makes you work, what makes you tick, and then what are the non negotiable priorities. And we talked about that in episode two. You know, whatever the main things are that you have to do, your vocation. So, right now, your vocation might be. Um, you know, again, wife and mom, or it might be caring for sick people. It might be caring for an elderly parent and a college-age son. The middle years, right there where you're caring for a lot of different people. And if that's like a primary thing that God has you doing, even if it's not the thing you do all the time, is that you're very aware of the main things and that you have the right energy and peace so that you can do those things in a good, peaceful way. And I'll give you an example of that right now. So I'm a mom of six, and I've got four college-age sons, and then I've got a middle school son, and then I've got a daughter who's in elementary. And also I live next door to my mom and dad. And my mom needs um, sort of round-the-clock care, not in the sense of, like, physical care, but she just needs somebody who's with her. And so one afternoon a week, I sit with my mom. So I leave from teaching, and and I go and hang out with my mom, and I love it. Um, But what I have to make sure I do is that I don't show up for that couple of hours together with my mom frazzled or um, stressed about what I have going on later in the day. And I did that the first few times, and it was not fun, because it's not fun to sit there and try to just be spending time with somebody who really needs your attention in a unique way. And for me to feel almost like, I don't want to show up feeling bitter that I have to be there or wishing I had time to be doing something else, right? So, so what I do in that moment is I know on this particular afternoon, this is my commitment and this is how I want to feel when I show up. I want to be as peace filled and free and joyful as possible. So that means I know I already have a plan for dinner, right? And I already have, I have nothing else I'm trying to squeeze in that day. And I know that sounds kind of over the top, but it's the reality of it is I am analyzing the things that I am going to do, that I have to do, that are, I don't want to say obligations because, you know, these are just a part of our life. It's the thing God's asking me to do in this season right now. But I know how I want to feel because this is the thing that I'm doing today. But I also don't want to act like it's a thing I'm just squeezing in in the midst of other important things. So that's where, you know, each one of us has to really assess what we have on our calendar and do we have enough boundaries and buffers to be able to manage those priorities in a good, peaceful way. So remember, not all the spaces need to be filled and that you really have to look at the whole of the day, I think, to figure out if you can really tackle these individual things. And you have the freedom to pick and choose that. You know, I think that's that kind of relates back again to this idea of that relationship with God and trusting that he has a plan and then really leaning into our identity comes from him. Because if we're not free in who we are, then we're going to say yes and no to things to please other people. And, you know, if you're nodding your head at this point, you can relate that I have spent a little bit of time in my life doing that. And that can get you into a lot of trouble is that you're afraid to say no you're afraid to have a boundary for yourself because you don't want to let somebody else down you have to be free to say no if you know you can't peacefully do something and you can only figure that out if you're really like considering okay you know how what is the fruit in my life running at this pace if the fruit is really good then that's great if the fruit is anxiety or um you're bitter towards the people that ask you to do things then you need to kind of take a step back and really say Am I saying yes to things because I don't want people to be mad at me? And here's another one that's kind of dangerous, too. So that can be like sort of your are afraid, a fear of man almost. Like, I don't want anybody to be upset with me. But also we can sometimes be motivated by pride. Well, if I don't do this, then it won't get done properly. We have to check ourselves with that, you know. God has a plan for your life, but he also, like, is managing this whole universe thing pretty well, too. And sometimes it's easy, certain personalities, I think, to start to kind of get caught up in, well, I just have to do it or else nobody else will do it. You know, it's possible that God has a plan for something to get done in an okay fashion that does not involve you doing it. And that's not everybody's little cross to bear, but for some people, um, I can certainly relate to that attitude Of, um, And not that, you know, we think we do it better than anybody else, but it's just like, well, it needs to get done and I know I can do it, so I better be the one to do it. I have seen in many circumstances things that happen where, you know, me saying no to something because I just was worried about it not getting done properly allowed somebody else to step in and do it in a way that brought so much fruit, fruit in their life, fruit in the situation, it provided an opportunity for somebody when I got out of the way that was just really beautiful. So, you know, that gets back again to trusting that God has a plan. You know, you're asked to do something. You can tell internally it's not something that's going to be peaceful. You push through that feeling of people will be mad if I say no. It Saying no is a thing that you will be capable of doing. <laughs> if you're somebody who struggles with that, be not afraid. Because once you really trust that God has a plan, then you can say no in true freedom. Like, I know I can't do this, but somebody out there can, and it's going to be awesome. And you just lay it down. Okay, so have a plan for peace. That's always the first thing. What is your plan for peace in each of these situations, especially in your priorities? And then have a plan for your home for your calendar. And then for me, meals is another big one too. You know, being aware of the the moving parts of your day that rob you of your peace if you don't have a plan. I grew up with my dad saying prior planning prevents poor performance. I don't want to be like Wonder Woman who's who's got her like, you know, bracelets and the bullets come in and she's just like, using her bracelets to deflect things as it's getting whipped at her, or like dodgeball is another good image of things that just get whipped at you and you just kind of have to react. There are going to be days and hours and seasons where you do have to live at that level, but you really have to figure out if you're living at that level open-ended where you're always reacting to the next thing, then you need to take a step back and come up with a plan. You know, menu plans are a great example of that especially if you're in the season of you work a lot of hours, you don't want to come home to frozen food, you're going to end up hitting a drive through all the time. You know, if you have a lot of carpools, you run a lot of activities, meetings at night, whatever it is, you need to, you know, be willing to step back one day, maybe every two weeks, one day a week, and kind of say, you know what, this is an area of my life that I have to get in order. And the only way I can do that is to plan today for the next five or six days. I kind of like to joke with My kids, and I say this to myself too, you know, deal with this today on Monday, and Thursday, Rachel will be thanking Monday, Rachel, so much for the kind gift that she gave to her, you know, by having a plan for what she's going to pull out for dinner. So treat yourself by, you know, prior planning. The same with your home, you know, like for me, a clean home and a tidy home brings me a lot of peace. I tend to see all the things. And so I really kind of look at my calendar in the week and I figure out when I can have the two hours if possible to really dive in and vacuum and mop and clean the bathrooms. And then one like 20 minute spout spurt each day, we do like a blitz through the house where we pick up all the rooms and you know keep things tidy. Um, I have funny little tricks of the trade too. I'll let you in on how my brain works. I do things like, I don't run the dishwasher at night generally because I don't like to wake up in the morning to having to unload the dishwasher. It just makes me feel behind already. Like if I'm in the kitchen in the morning and I'm trying to help the kids make lunches or get breakfast or, you know, get out the door, then I don't want that dishwasher waiting there needing to be dealt with. So I typically wait and run it in the morning. That's just like one kind of, I will say, stupid example. But like of little ways that I have found, like I just buy myself little bits of buffer and peace, you know, in the moving parts of my day. Um, And so these same kind of things apply, I think, with the calendar as well. When you look at your calendar, just don't feel like you have to stack event after event. It's okay to say no to some things, you know. Um, We had a busy week. I don't feel like I can handle this. Again, getting back, though, to different personalities, like I speak a lot out of a desire for these, you know, buffers for myself of downtime. And I know that some people really actually thrive on having things, you know, I have a sister in law who, for me, I decided when my boys were little, that I wasn't going to put them in soccer when I had a bunch of little kids because that overwhelmed me. And for her, she's like, I love the way that I can burn daylight with the kids running around like that. So you do what works best for you. And I think, you know, this concept of you do you, have you heard that floating around? And I think it can sound flaky to us, but it's true. Like, it, it to me, that's a perfect example of really being who God made you to be. And you can only be who God made you to be when you know who you are in God, and then you're free to say, this is what works for me, and I'm doing it because I'm free to do this, you know? You do you, and you do what works best for you. And then the last thing I want to talk about real quick is this idea of short-term hard seasons. How do you get through it? So you're like, Rachel, you're talking a lot about all this, you know, freedom and power and control you have over your calendar and your schedule, and That's not where I'm at in life right now. And I totally get that. I've been there a lot of different times. I think having a newborn is an especially acute, a very good example of a short, long-term season. Like, okay, the baby, you know, within six months, things will be better, right? Like, yeah, it's a lie to say within a couple of days, you're going to get your wits about you because that's not totally true. But knowing this too shall pass, and yes, the sweetness is wonderful, but you know, the loss of like not getting enough sleep or feeling like, you know, you don't have the same flexibility and mobility that you had before. It's a short season. Okay, so then how do you survive that kind of season with all these great tips that I'm giving you? Well, it's okay to throw all this stuff out of out the window for a little while. You know, for me, um, especially um, when we had Henry and then Isabel. So we took an almost six year break between child number four and child number five. And I thought having that fifth baby after like a five and a half year break was going to be just easy, right? I would just jump right back into life, but I would just, it would be exactly the same, but with a cute little baby in tow. That is not how it went at all. I was exhausted. I felt like I had been like, you know, just put through it. I looked so bad that I had a friend who was having a baby a few weeks after me. She saw me one day right after I had had Henry, our fifth child, and she was scared because whatever I had just gone through was something she was about to go through. the The eye, My eyeballs were just like really terrifying to her. I was tired. And then right as I came out of that, we had a sweet little surprise, baby number six. And that threw me into a couple of years of my hardest mothering years. And I was in a long term survival mode. And it was fine. I got my priorities in order. And I also had a couple of things that I did. One, I had super low expectations for myself. Um, I was really happy to shower. To I always like to do my hair. That's just my thing. Um, and that was about it. You know, like, okay, I'm, I'm clean, and I can face the day. It had nothing to do with where I went, anything extra that I was doing. Um, I think the one thing I did is I had a column for the newspaper that I wrote on a weekly basis. Like that was the one sort of brain oriented thing I did besides helping my kids with homework and running my household. Um, I also learned to streamline a lot. So that's a good tip. Looking at all the things in your life and figuring out how to streamline, streamline your laundry system, streamline how you tidy your home. I think having a lot less clutter around the house always helps us feel less overwhelmed. Um, And then finally, be kind to yourself. And that was what I learned so much in that season. Like, I can't really control much other than I'm making it through the day. And I'm trying to be loving and patient with my family. That's my priority. Um, And, and then that's it. And me doing that is enough. So, you know, I had to learn to be kind to myself, and I think that that's so important for us to remember. Lower your expectations, streamline as much as you can, and then be kind to yourself. Those are good short-term survival skills um, for when you're in difficult seasons that you kind of just can't immediately get through. All right, so let's recap real quick what, what we focused on in this episode. Always start with that moment of dedicating your day to God. You cannot go wrong with that. Practically speaking, remember that not all the spaces in your day have to be filled. You're allowed to have built-in buffers for yourself as much as you're practically able to do. Have a plan for peace. Really establish that you want peace in your life. That's what the heart of being overcommitted is all about. Learning how to get out from under that is all about peace. What is it going to take for me to have peace? And I personally think you should fight for peace, which I know sounds ironic have a plan for peace in your home, in your calendar, in all the different moving parts of your day, and then short-term practical tips if you're in a bad season, in a in a t- difficult season, a challenging season, lower those expectations and really be kind to yourself. So today I want to just close with a little bit of the litany of trust, which I include in one of my chapters. And I just love this. This prayer comes from Sister Faustina, and the Sisters of Life use this. And this relates so well to what we're talking about with, you know, the things that we do sort of being a part of how we see ourselves of our self-worth and really learning to open our clenched fists from all that we hold on to that we think, you know, shows our identity because that's not the truth of our identity. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me, Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering, united to your own, will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me an orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you that your plan is better than anything else, Jesus, I trust in you, that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me, Jesus, I trust in you, that you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others, Jesus, I trust in you, that you give me all the strength I need for what is asked, Jesus, I trust in you, that my life is a gift, Jesus, I trust in you, that you will teach me to trust you, Jesus, I trust in you, that you are my Lord and my God, and that I am your beloved one, Jesus, I trust in you. I want to thank you again for joining me in this episode of Overcommitted, and I pray that God blesses your day and really starts to show you the truth of your identity and the truth of his perfect plan for all the different moving parts of your day. God bless you.